Hello. Welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner. I'm Adam McKeever. And today we are delving into the Feywild and the Fey. But first, a little correction from the last podcast. Uh, turns out kobolds do not get a plus two in strength. They don't? They get a minus two. Is that a minus? It is a minus two. I'm going to look at it real quick, so I have Bolo's guide right here. Oh, I was <laughs> building a character on D&D Beyond, and they gave it a minus oh, two Oh, so maybe it's not. It might have been printed wrong They may have guide. updated it or something, too. It's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it does say strength is reduced by two. Huh. Look at that. Okay, anyways. So for this episode, I don't want to delve directly into one or two specific kinds of fey. Rather, we're going to talk about the fey wild as a plane and using it, and then the fey as a group of creatures, as a monster type, as a whole, using right. them. So the fey are probably the most diverse monster type in in the in the books. Right, with the, the fewest amount of creatures. Right. Maybe the exception being, you know, like aberrations. Aberrations are all right. kind of unique and strange. But like, you know, all dragons, whether they be true dragons or wyverns or drakes are all metallic breath weapon havers. You know, yes. all the giants are just big lumbering well, not stupid lumbering, but yeah. big creatures. You know, but Fey are so wild. There's so many different no yeah. two fey are alike. And there's very few similarities. I mean, when you read about the fey wild, it's got the summer and winter courts. And right. summer fey have some tendencies. You know, they tend to be pranksters. They tend to be forest protectors. Whereas winter court fey tend to be a little more malicious, a little more gross and nasty. Right, but that's also not the only course that they can belong to because there's also like... The head fae. Mm-hmm. So you could be a summer fae that belongs to Titania's court mm-hmm. or a summer fae that belongs to Oberon's court. Right. So digging into the politics of the Feywild is kind of a lot. <laughs> Imagine t- if toddlers set up your uh, political scheme. That that That's very, very politics. So it's just America. <laughs> we have a lot more loopholes <laughs> so- and a lot less trust. I have, thinking about the Feywild as a plane, I have so many different ideas of what it's like being there and what it looks like and how it's designed. And I feel like you could use any of them to have it fit your narrative and have it still feel good. Right. Feel right. Um, In the Dungeon Master's Guide, it describes the Feywild as always kind of warm and kind of humid and it's always sunset. The sun just kind of sits on the horizon, doesn't move. It's a, there's a lot of light. It's a positive energy plane. Right. It's to the the prime material being your neutral plane with the shadow fell as a negative and the Feywild as a positive plane. So a lot of life energy. It doesn't make it safe by any stretch of the imagination, no. but it's definitely there. One thing that's interesting about the default Feywild, though, is that it is kind of, topographically speaking at least, a mirror of the prime material or a match where there's a mountain there's a mountain or a hill right you know? so y- y- you wouldn't like go through a portal and end up like 700 feet over a, right. a, a, an ocean or something like that one thing i thought of a lot for that is if you're using that kind of default Feywild, is you know oh there's a there's a ruined castle here in the prime material but nearby there's a fairy gate and when you go in it you find the castle has the same layout, but it is all built and put together and occupied by Eldrin, and it's just a lively right. thing. 
or vice versa. You know, there's a right. the castle of kings on the prime material. You go into the Feywild and go to the same place, and it's just this old, dusty ruin with right. maybe or, a hag lit in it, right, or something. Um, another idea I think of with the Feywild is Wonderland, like from, yes. Alice, from Alice in Wonderland. Yep. That's kind of a one of my go-to. Yep. Feywild types. That, that every... is a, a very common influence for Right, and it's a, it's a good one. Yes. I feel like it's tricky to pull off really, really well because Wonderland thrives on just this whimsical, weird logic. And when you're right. trying to show your players something like a line of logic or thinking that is not human, you know, we're human. It's right. just kind of tricky to Though one of the good things is if you're trying to do that, Set rules, make them concrete. Do not break them. Right. A lot of the old myths about Fae in the real world has that, yeah, they're going to trick you. They're going to mess with you. They're dangerous because of it. But they have rules that they follow to the letter. Yes. And never stray from. And that's probably the best way to give that weird, whimsical, strange place structure and have it work for you and your players very much so because if if you don't have that structure there it's just going to turn into a mess right uh, and also having that structure lets your players have the chance to understand the weirdness of the fake because mm-hmm. like if you just keep breaking things left and right and there's no definition to it it's just going to all be confusing right but if you break this one rule that you're used to and it breaks that way every time now you know that that is a rule that's something that you can learn and utilize mm-hmm. it, it's like in a video game if something works the same every time mm-hmm. it, it's going to be right it gives something you a, a player it gives can you learn. a way to learn and understand the Feywild despite it being different um, the third kind of image of the fail that I find myself drawn to a lot is Lorwyn and Shadowmoor from Magic the Gathering, which is fitting because that's the European fey mythos world in, right, right. in MTG. Built heavily upon Celtic myth, too. Right. And so if you're not familiar, that world is kind of two worlds in one. You have Lorwyn, which is the endless summer warm, it, inviting it, it's, world. It's more like what you would think of as the Feywild. And then Shadowmoor Sh- Shadow is, kind of is bleak. Kind of like the Shadowfell. Yeah, it's this bleak, twisted. And when I think of it, when I think of the Feywild in D&D, there's, you know, the warm, light, summer court areas that they control. And that's where Lorwyn is. The creatures there are, they're tricky, they're prankstery, they're mostly kind, though. Not, right. not cruel. But Think, then, Things like brownies. Yeah, you'll have... You know, you'll have like your pixies, your sprites, your treants, which aren't fae, but they live there. You know, unicorns, again, not fae, but live there. Um, Cities of Eladrin living there. And then the Shadowmoor is where things are a little more dangerous. You know, in the fae, while you have your boggles, your red caps, your Mm -hmm. uh, hags, ogres and goblins and trolls and The the stuff that wants to actively be malicious. Right. Maybe not kill you, maybe not hurt you. But definitely maligned. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, one kind of creature that I haven't seen any stat blocks or anything for is just a straight up fairy. So what I think of when I think of the fairy is that's your archfey. These are the powerful beings that don't consign to the... They're not satyrs. They're not elves. They're not uh, pixies. They're just pure 
almost like pure energy beings from the Feywild. I always okay. think of like when I was thinking about, it, I was thinking of a of an Archfey as being like the White Queen from from uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. This this being that is genderless and not formless, but like simultaneously beautiful and terrifying. And when I started to think of what are these Archfey like, because if you have a you know an Archfey packed warlock, then right. Archfey are coming to the picture, you might want to think about it. I look to the books, and there's a couple class subclasses that deal directly with fate. You know, you have your Archfey right. warlock, mm-hmm. you have your Circle of Dreams druid, and then there's the uh, shoot, what was the other one? The College of Glamour's bard, which is a bard that trained in the Feywild. Oh dear, there's. All sorts of mess with that that UA <laughs> subclass, um, like you know, riding downtown on your piano. <laughs> but so the bard specifically has an ability where you take on this fairy visage temporarily, and while you have this form, and I think the uh, Archfey Warlock can do a similar thing. You, it says, you're simultaneously beautiful and terrifying, and creatures are charmed and frightened of you. And I feel like that's the kind of tone you should i would go for with an archfey it's this just this creature that inspires a mix of horny but scared right yeah exactly and you don't know (laughs) there's no reason why like they aren't they're beautiful but it's a very androgynous beauty and it's a very alien beauty but it's at the same time your character just sees it and is like wow this is blowing my mind this creature right so, um, so that that would be your Titania or your right, Oberon. exactly. Oh, yeah, these are the 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 high high fae. They're not elves. They're not Eladrin. They right. are fae. It, <laughs> so Tim in his campaign, he had one that was run in the Fae Wild, mm-hmm. and it was a war between like the light and the dark fae. Not like really a war, but a the, contest of some sort. The, the the light fae queen and the dark fae king were. At each other's throats because they thought the other had stolen uh, something important to them. One was the leg and one was the scepter, I think it was. Mm -hmm. It's it's been a while since we did that campaign. It was a good one. Um, But those two would be like the paragons of it. Like everything revolves around those two. They are the laws of the territories of the light fae and the dark fae. So having... I think that those two characters would be like who you were trying to point towards. Okay, I gotcha. So if you didn't want to specifically use Titania or Oberon, mm-hmm. that that kind of a leader of the Fae would be uh, kind of where you were going with it. Gotcha. So a couple optional rules for the Fae Wild that the DMG gives you are memory loss and time warp. So on the one hand, you have going into the Fae Wild, and then when you come out, your memories of your time there are fuzzy. You don't quite remember it because it's, it's like a dream. Right. Um, and I think a lot of like, when I think of that kind of memory of the Feywild, I think of like Studio Ghibli movies. And he talks about his animation right. style being dreamlike. And I'm like, oh, what if the Feywild's like that? Like the water is thick and heavy and everything just kind of feels like a childhood dream, even though you're an adult man barbarian who kills dragons for fun. Right. <laughs> um, and then the other one being the time work, you know, Time seems to pass normally in the Feywild, but then when you come back, you find no time has passed, or a lot of time has passed. I had an idea for a character, a warlock, that had been affected by that specifically, who was, in the prime material sense of the world of time, hundreds of years old, 
because he had gone to the Feywild so many times. And every time he's there, he comes back and finds decades have passed in the Prime Material. Okay. So he's like, yeah, I'm only like 26, but my brother died of old age 100 years ago. Right. Uh, actually, again, Tim's campaign, uh, the way it kind of worked is that each time we started up a session, it was the Fae bringing us back into the Feywild mm, to okay. be their champions. Um, and while we were there, it could be just like, yeah, it, a, a day passed. So while we were there, like it took us like a week to get something done. Mm. A day had passed on the prime material. Right. It could be that. Yeah. Like, it, it, it would shift as they needed it too. Right. So the, the Fae were in control of that warping. You could do like a Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe type deal where your characters go and get all this experience and are there for decades and then come back and no time has passed. And you could do it just like that where they come back and they're in their younger bodies again rather than them coming back older. Right. Um, as for adventuring in the Feywild, Feywild is a weird place. Yes. I think that um, one thing I kept coming back to was if was practicing your skills of DM of describing to your players what's around them from their senses, you know, what they're hearing, smelling, feeling, and also of course their like mental senses, you know, what they're, Oh, you're getting a call. Holding and uh, what they're feeling and uh, thinking. I'll call her back in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing that I kept coming back to was a feeling of unease, like you're being watched. Right. So even if you're in this, in like the summer court area, an area that seems, that feels safe, you know, it's warm, there's it's lush, there's a lot of life, but you feel like you're being watched. There's sprites invisible in the trees. There's pixies waiting to trip you. There's any one of the trees could be a treant waiting right. and watching to see what you're going to do. And then, of course, in the darker parts of the Feywild and the swamps, you know, you're wading through waist deep Iker. And just feeling like you're being uh, watched by something and you hear the chittering of boggles in the swamp and uh, stuff like that. I can't believe how much a phone call has distracted me. But right. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it definitely you have to paint a interesting picture of something that... It's just not quite right, but the the one thing that I was going to come back to is uh, in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Mm. I can't remember the name of the plane that you go to, but it's the it's the expansion where you have to deal with Sheogorath. Like a character like Sheogorath, who is just mm. mad. He is his own enemy, and is fighting himself and has this war set up between like one side of like order and then another one of chaos. That would be such that, that mm. that's a great example of like a fey adventure. Right. Cause that, that world, like the, the rules of Tamriel don't apply there. Mm. I can't remember any of the details of the name, <laughs> but I, I remember like pretty much every time I played oblivion, that was the first place I would go. Cause that was like the most interesting, the oh, most yeah, absolutely. fun. Oh yeah. Sounds like it. Um, that's a good segue into Fae, using your Arch Fae as catalysts for adventure, is Fae are creatures of whim. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very much driven by flights of fancy and random urges and whims. And I don't think any of the Fae are lawful. They're pretty much all chaotic or neutral. 
but I mean, I could see a Fae being lawful as in, like, they are very set on the rules of the Fae, mm-hmm. but those rules don't necessarily apply to what we would think as good laws. Right. I almost mm. feel like using the Fae heavily in a game almost requires you to be a little more loose with the alignment table. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be strict law. Like, this is a creature of chaos, but... They have very strict rules to which they use to create their chaos. Yeah, one of the things that I, I wrote down as I was preparing for this was uh, they have lots of rules and some of them are very arbitrary, but they do not get in the way of their tricks or fun. Okay. So, like, yeah, they have rules like, yeah, we can only take the firstborn child or right. we can only take your name if you actually say yes, I, or if we ask for it and you say, yes, this is my name. Right. So they, they can have their fun. They can mess with it, but they have to do it in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop them from playing their tricks. You just have to be very careful about how you talk to them and how you... Right. You have you have to consider every meaning, all the double entendre that mm-hmm. could go into it. But again, back to that simplifying things for your players. Uh, make it so that it's one rule that they have to follow. Right. So they know that if they don't if they say things this way, it's this is going to happen. If they do it any other way, they're going to get their point across. Right. Um, one thing I thought of is having a character, if you have a character who has history with the Fae, and even if you're not using the Fae in your campaign, but let's say you have a, a barbarian whose people lived in the forest and they lived close to the Fae, leaving them offerings and stuff, and this character is very much jaded by it. Like he'll like this character will never do anything for free because nothing is free because they spent their whole life dealing with Fae. Whether or not they saw them or not is something else completely. Like you know, you could have a village that leaves out milk for the sprites every night and it's always gone the next morning, but no one's ever seen a sprite. Right. Uh, actually, again, back to Tim's campaign. At the end of it, my character Corvax was a uh, fear bulk. Okay. Who was. The class was Fey Warrior, and that class had a lot of problems. <laughs> uh, but at the end of it, he started off revering the Fey, thinking that they were this great thing because that's what he was taught. And then he had to actually interact with them. Mm-hmm. And when he was face to face with the Fey, he was just like, You are petty, worthless beings. Why did I ever revere you? <laughs> and he, like, straight to the Fey Queen's face, told him that all Fey were garbage. Mm-hmm. And now if I ever play with that character again, he is going to be a ranger that is focused on hunting Fae. So your your target races. So that that's another thing that you work in the background is like even if they have some like reverence for it, if they respected who the Fae were, if they interact with the Fae, they could lose that, or they could even gain more reverence for them. Mm-hmm. Uh but again, like you I forget what the. I am so, like, not focused on what I want to <laughs> say right now. It is so weird. Um, but yeah, you just have to play around with it and know where you want your relationship with the Fey to go. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, in a world connected to the Fey Wild, where the Fey can kind of easily come and go onto the Prime Material, people are going to be dealing with that daily. Right. I really like the Fey for a low magic setting. Like, where the people that you meet and your adventures have very little experience with 
magical creatures beyond superstition because just the way that Fae behave and their rules and their tendencies just fit into that. We are the source of your superstition so well. Yes. They, they, they just, they fit I so mean, naturally into it. That That's kind of the role they play in reality. Too, right, exactly. Like a lot of like, oh, well, this weird thing happened, so it had to have been a fae. Right, you go to old places in Europe and even parts of the United States and Canada today, and there's like, oh, you go around this tree or you don't walk through this part of the woods because that's where the wee folk live or that hill belongs to them. And it's even to this day, people still kind of hold on to those superstitions. It's not so much as it used to be believing that they're actually there, but it's just they've been part of society like that that superstition has been there for so long it's just now it's the way things are like people are like oh yeah you just don't go in even like here in like the midwest like you don't go into abandoned barns like abandoned barns are just weird liminal spaces liminal spaces exactly don't go into abandoned barns don't go into targets after five (laughs) (laughs) well they have groceries now so after five they're a little busier (laughs) but (laughs) um just Fae are such a great way to mess with your players mentally. And especially if you have an Archfey that's like your quest giver. And you right. really dig into that whimsy. And they're like, all right, you guys are going to go on this long epic adventure to get this treasure. And the Fae's like, I'm not telling you what the treasure is, just where it is. And you need to go get it. And then you go get it. And you bring this seal lockbox back to this Archfey. And you're like, I have no idea what's in here. But we've been sent to get this. We've gone through so many trials and tribulations for this lockbox. What's in it? You build it up the whole time your players are adventuring. They open up and it's like teapot. <laughs> no, no. Even better yet, it's a baby. And they eat the baby. And then you jump down their gullet and punch out their teeth and grab the baby. Babies is not cool. It's <laughs> the only Ben 10 thing that's great is just wrath. Uh, but you can just you can just mess with your players. It's been so long. It's like yeah. having your Fae just be like, no, this is important. This is a right. big deal. And that that's another thing that's really interesting about the Fae is that you can have a, in air quotes, combat with them, but not actually enter into the combat mechanics. Mm-hmm. Because the Fae aren't necessarily trying to kill you. Right. They're not trying to hurt you. They're just trying to upset you. Well, some right. of the darker Fae are trying to hurt you. you know? But even then, they might not be trying to physically hurt you. Right. They might just be trying to make like break up the party or... Wound your pride. Wound, yeah. It's not always about actually stabbing somebody in the back. Sometimes you just want to get... The Fae just want you to stab somebody else in the back. Right. I feel like that's like Fae are a great way to bring a PC down a notch. You know, you have a, right. a player, a character who's got, who has all these achievements and they're letting it get to their head a little bit. And then you just bring in, you know, some, some pixies that trip them up and just turn them into a bush for a few hours. Yeah. Bring them down to their level. Um, but I think like, you know, hags are definitely dangerous, Fae. <laughs> yeah, well, technically only two cut types of hag are Fae. Four. Four? Because they added two more in Volo's Guide. Oh, yes. The yes. ice hag and the mountain hag. That's the Anis right. Hag and the Burr Hag. They're both still Fae. The, and the mythos of the Night Hags is that they were Fae Hags, but then they found a way into the Nine Hells and became fiends. Well, I mean, honestly, using Hags in a Fae setting or 
around Faye is still a good idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love hags. It, I love hags. <laughs> no, we didn't just play an entire section of a campaign without hags. <laughs> Only five like... levels of an adventure that was go hunt down hags. <laughs> so where's the hag in this town? What? There's no hag. <laughs> oh, hey, time, here's the hag. By the time you guys got to the third village, you're like, I bet it's a hag because <laughs> we just fought two of them. <laughs> Might have even been the second one. Like after you fought the first hag, you're like, wait, aren't there five kinds of hags? Hmm. How many villages are there in this region? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, no. One of them's coastal. One's in the mountains. One's in the forest. What? <laughs> one's the, up on the glacier. That that was some unfortunate but still hilarious metagaming. <laughs> that was a good. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed running that campaign. That that was a good section of that. Thought it worked out pretty well, and I think I kind of stuck to that. Faye wanting to not just kill people pretty well because they they had uh, cursed all the Warforged. Right. They cursed. They all, were mad at them. They cursed all the Warforged. Uh, there was that one town that instead of killing them, they just messed with their dreams and wouldn't let them sleep. Right. Um, Which I took the most evil and violent of the hags to have the least evil and violent means. Weren't, weren't they eating children, though? Uh, all hags eat children, but the one that was specifically killing children was the Anna's hag. Okay. That was the one that was giving the children little tokens and convincing them to be naughty for a few days and then telling them to come up the mountain to see Granny and then she'd kill and eat them. Yeah, I was just like, I know one of them was eating kids and uh, like, the and green hag the green hag was spoiling crops. Uh the Anna the beer hag was uh causing snowstorms so supplies couldn't get to the town and the sea hag was maiming people, not killing them. Just maiming them just so maiming them they couldn't be- go out and fish. Because sea hags hate beauty, and this town was known for like their attractive youth, so she was just clawing their faces. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but And then the night hag was giving them nightmares and making it so they couldn't sleep, and everybody was ornery and cranky. Just, you know, again, back to the other scrolls, just Donstar. Yeah. It was, just, it was pretty much just the Anna's hag that was really outright hurting people because she was you know murdering children and eating them <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah eggs are a great way to have a candy house <laughs> you really want to put a candy get, house in get the a little Hansel and Gretel action right and that's another thing you can do if you have the Feywild is start putting all your fairy tales in there yes that your I players mean, run into Snow White and the Seven fa- Dwarfs like hey. fairy tales fairies Feywild like it, 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 it's all really good <laughs> kind of just hand it to you <laughs> only a lot but and the Feywild isn't only inhabited by Fey, and that's something else you can use to build that environment. Like right. we mentioned already, unicorns and treants, goblins. And I mean, there are some things that you think would be Fey, and they're not. Like fairy dragons are not considered Fey. But they live in the Feywild. <laughs> they live in the Feywild, but they are only listed as dragon. Right. <laughs> unicorns are celestials, but they live in the Feywild. Right. Uh, and that's one thing that I would also say as a DM is for like if you have a ranger in your party. If it's obvious they should be another creature class, just let it count. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Yeah. If somebody, like, if somebody hates Fey, I would have it work on a fae, on a fairy dragon. Right. Because there are so many things in in the books that it's just like, why is that not Fey? <laughs> I mean, like that's even got fairy in the name. Mm-hmm. But the Feywild, I I really like the Feywild. I think that having, you know, if there's if you're putting your fey creatures on the prime material, have a gate to the Feywild. That's how they're getting there. 
You know, like right. there's a mushroom ring in the forest and the village near that forest has all these weird things that happen to it. And just have that kind of like in Stranger Things where they have where the doorways to the upside down are, it starts to leak into the prime material. That's a great thing to do with the Feywild, especially because of its proximity to the prime material. Right. With both of them being at the center of cosmology. And not to mention, uh, one thing I want to touch on, I was reading through some articles, I forget exactly who it was from, uh, but they had this concept of how the Feywild and the Shadowfell aren't two separate planes, but they're one very divided plane that surrounds the prime material. Okay, so you can they, walk they, from they, one they, to they, the other. Yeah, they called it the outside. It's very hard to move between the Shadowfell and the mm. Feywild, but you can. Okay. So if, if you get into the Feywild, you could get to the Shadowfell. And again, that that seems like something that could be really used again for that like light and dark winter and summer. Right. Because fairies have a lot of duality. Oh, yeah. And I think a big part of that comes from uh, the myths that surround them from Europe, where all those old European traditional religions, that was a big thing, was balance and duality. Good and evil, light and dark, male and female, etc., etc. And that kind of, you know, bled its way into the fey myths. And now here we are 100 years later playing D&D with the same thing. Right. Um, but to kind of wrap up, I think if you're going to use the fey and the fey wild, read up a little bit on all those old myths because they're a lot of fun. <laughs> and yeah, um, they are very compelling for your players. There's just so much information out there. And don't be afraid to like find a stat block for something similar and change it to oh, match yeah, your absolutely. Because, again, there's weirdly not a lot of fey mm-hmm. in the books. But... Right. And also don't be afraid to change... If you use a creature on the prime material, don't be afraid to change its behavior on the Feywild. Right. Like goblins. You know, I think when you think of goblins, they're kind of more like pests. Maybe on the Feywild, they're like the goblins from, or the Boggarts. They're called Boggarts on Lorwyn. Right. Where they're they're not trying to hurt anyone. They're just curious. They're so insatiably curious. That they They, they become a little bit of a nuisance just to see what it would do. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, maybe you have the ogres of the prime material are just kind of big dumb brutes but the ogres on the feywild are these maybe not intelligent but well more like like loners that just kind of these big men or women that just kind of wander the wild and just right alone and just they enjoy that solitude maybe that's why they act violently on that plane is because they want to be alone you know maybe your ogres on the prime material are monsters your ogres on the feywild are shrek <laughs> oh no <laughs> a donkey but yeah, yeah i'm a swamp i like the fey i think adventuring in the fey is something i've done tim's done it i'm sure we'll do it again and it's just it's so easy to take the fey wild and do it vastly different between two campaigns to have it oh, fit the tone and have right. people still get the same message from I, it. I think that's just a lot due a lot due to the versatility of oh, the, yeah. the the source material yeah. itself they're an amazing creature type and they're an amazing place for your players to go that definitely warrants consideration but i think that's all we got um i guess on a quick side note check out the new art that adam did for our twitter and for the cover page yeah and 
uh, Twitters for dungeon delving, and then I don't think you have a personal Twitter. I do not have a personal Twitter. Okay, well, mine's going to be linked in there as well. So if you want to ask me directly a question, or Brandon's running the dungeon delving. Yeah, if you said the if you I don't follow any Twitters on dungeon delving except I I think Matt Mercer, but (laughs) a good one to follow. Right, but yeah, I'm always. You can always send me an at you know suggestions for episodes, questions exactly. about stuff. If you just want to, us to expand on something real quick, of course I'll tag Adam in it, and we'll. I'm always happy to discuss D and D with people, so shoot me an ask on there. If you uh, find us on Facebook, we'll have to make a Facebook page for the podcast too. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> yep, just some okay. more social media outreach, but. Yeah, Adam made up this sweet new logo for us. It looks great, and I'm really excited to start using it. So we'll probably pop that up tonight. We're recording it Saturday night. We'll put the episode up tomorrow morning. But Alrighty. Yeah, that's it for us. We'll see you next week. Monster episode again? Yeah, we'll do back and forth. I like monster episodes. (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) There's a lot of monsters in D&D, and I think that a lot of them deserve some attention that they don't normally get. And... The ones that do get a lot of attention, they get that much for a reason. And I think that our, an additional perspective is... Like how they are, you know, in the title of the game. Yeah. Dragons? Yeah. <laughs> dragons are fun. When we do dragons, dungeons though... Dungeons are a great monster type. When I do, when we do dragons, though, I almost think we're going to have to do three or four episodes just on dragons. Because there's so much to them. Yeah. It's just... almost like they made them part of the name. <laughs> because they're a big deal. But... Yeah, that's, that's it for today. We'll see you guys next week. Keep on delving.